Hello, and welcome to the Innovate IPM podcast, where we are passionate about the future of the industrial projects professions, presenting you the best of project management, people, and practices, combining the wisdom of time-tested methods with the cutting-edge technologies and advancements that are modernizing our craft. Our mission is to contribute to the growth and progress of the industrial project management community. It's time to talk scope, schedule, and budget. Let's start the show. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Rob Williams. I'm very happy to bring you this interview with Munir Ajam. He is the co-founder and CEO of the award-winning SUCAD group that works all over the world providing project management expertise, training, and he's busy coming up with a ton of solutions that I believe will positively affect our industry in the years to come. Munir is an entrepreneur, speaker, and author who is very passionate about project management in capital projects, as you will hear throughout this interview. He's a tireless personality on LinkedIn, which is where we connected. You should also connect with him and Sukad. We discuss everything from front-end engineering to joint ventures in the Middle East to what it takes to become an entrepreneur in this business. Talking to Munir was motivating for me. It made me think about the future of industrial project management in ways I hadn't thought of before. His expertise provided some unique perspective that I think you will also find valuable. But first, uh, let's talk about Innovate IPM. How can we stay connected? Well, we're going to stay connected on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are the three social media platforms that I stay most most active on. Even better, you can join the Innovate IPM email list by going to www.innovateipm.com and uh, just put in a couple pieces of information and you'll be added to the list. You can support Innovate IPM at www.patreon.com backslash Innovate IPM. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. We appreciate any support you can provide. It helps us stay on the air and publishing this great content for you. So all that said, let's talk to Manir. Enjoy. Hi, Manir. How are you today? All right. How are you, Robin? It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's a uh, Robin or Rob works fine. Uh, I try not to compete compete too much with uh, you know more famous people than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it it works out on a resume. You know, it always ends up at the top. Hey, look, Robin Williams is applying. Yeah, uh, yeah good, good. Yeah, it's Friday. We're uh, we're uh, looks like we're both uh, still at work, and that's that's just the yeah. nature of our business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, in your business? You know, what do you do? Well, I uh, technically I wear three hats. Uh, if I want to be more accurate about what I do, um, I I am a co-founder and the CEO of a company called Sukad Corporation. Uh, I'm also a project management author and consultant. So I do writes, uh, um, I do some videos, and uh, I publish a few books, and I deliver training and consultancy services to clients. How did you end up? Uh, how did you end up going down this path? What led you to where you are in your career today? Basically, my entire career, I have been passionate about project management and helping people. So mm-hmm. it makes sense for me. Uh, I started my career in engineering uh, and uh, working uh, here in Houston. Actually, I did my bachelor in Houston, uh, 
working for the Houston Lighting and Power while I was going to college. Oh, nice. And uh, then after I graduated, I went into engineering job as well. But I found myself always uh, going back and enjoying the construction and the project management aspect of it. So I went back to college to get a master's degree in engineering and construction management. And uh, that was 1990, and I have never left. Nice. So I've been in project management in my entire career. Now, in the last 15 years, I have been shifting more toward consultancy and training and writing and publishing. And that part of you know spreading the word, spreading knowledge, sharing knowledge about project management and the value of project management. Yeah. And I think you do a really great job of that on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn has become a great community for uh, discourse. Yeah. You're, you're always active and, and chiming in on, on people's comments and providing good content. Yeah, definitely. LinkedIn good. has become a major conduit. Uh, and it's good sometimes to be controversial on, on LinkedIn. You, sure. you can need to challenge and people to challenge you. So uh, that's part of the discussion. I've, I've discovered that myself. So I, I was kind of hesitant to type some things or, you know, you get to where you type things and then you delete them and then you type them again and try to word them correctly. And I'm right. a little, I'm a little looser now. And now I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm going to put it out there. And you know what, if I'm wrong, let them tell me I'm wrong and let me learn something out of the experience. Absolutely. You have to be authentic. I mean, you do what you, you know, as long and I've definitely put the line um, that I don't cross, which is, you know, getting into what some people do, which is getting into insulting language or attacking language or personal. Correct. As long as you're professional in sharing opinion, uh, be bold. Be bold. Yes, I like it. I like it. So, uh, Sukad, who who are uh, some of your larger clients, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I mean, uh, maybe if it uh, depends. Um, in the U.S., right now, technically, we are a startup. We just started in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We just uh, technically the Sukad Corp officially uh, launched in the U.S. in June when we registered. Sure. Um, all, most of our work has been in the Middle East, uh, based out of Dubai and the UAE. So our many of our largest clients are basically uh, regional conglomerate. Uh, for example, Emirate Global Aluminum. This is one of the largest aluminum companies in the world. Uh, we have worked with Etihad Airways. Uh, I guess this is... I'm using the names that people here might recognize. Sure. Um, We've done a lot of work with government entities in the UAE and abroad. We've done some work in, with the Iraqi Ministry of Transport a few years mm-hmm. ago. Okay, uh, good. That's about it. Here in the U.S., uh, technically, as we mentioned, we're just starting, so we haven't done any work in the U.S. yet. Sure. What is your ideal client that you're looking for? Uh, the, the, this is a challenging question because technically, Suscad right now is being transformed. As an organization, mm-hmm. we've had uh, actually, you know, if I go back a bit of a history, I started Sukad as a Sumer Corp in the U.S. here in 1998, and mm-hmm. at that time I worked on mega project for BASF and Shell, a joint right. venture here in in Texas in Port Arthur, uh, mm-hmm. as a consultant, uh, and that was when I started being an entrepreneur. When I started Sumer Corporation at that time, but then for many reasons we end up going to the Middle East, which is where I'm originally from. And um, we worked for Saudi Aramco for a while. And then I restarted uh, Sumer Corp as a Sukad corporation in the region. Mm -hmm. So now we are here. um, We are transforming because, and when I mean by transforming, because up till pre-2019, Sukad has predominantly focused on training and some consultancy in the general project management area, not to focus on any discipline or industry. Mm-hmm. However, now we have transformed or we're starting the transformation part. So 2019 is for us is more of a transition period. 
where we are moving toward, in addition to the consultancy and training, uh, we want to rebuild and get back to my route personally, which is into the industrial capital project area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In addition, Sukad as a company will be focusing heavily on uh, developing an online solution, software. Uh, gotcha. I don't like to use the word software because to us, it's really we are building an online solution uh, using the cloud-based software. So our focus will be more on the technology side. So who would be an ideal client? Um, technically, any company. Because mm-hmm. today, I think project management as a domain, it's everywhere. I'm not aware of any industry that is not using project management. Yeah, within those industries, maybe technology and IT are so far probably the most advocate users of formal project management. And of course, in the capital project industry, and those where the big project are the millions and the billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So our ideal client that we will be targeting is focusing on companies who want to adopt project management, proper project management, and we would be there to offer them the solution that will help them get going very quickly um, with minimal cost. So is this uh, this software, I guess we would call that a software as a service, SAAS, is that yes. kind of what we're talking about? Correct. Would this be built around your camp methodology? Yes, it's actually more than the camp methodology. Um, many years ago, we started in SOCAD to focus, although we are a small company, we focus on project management innovation. Uh, so we were not restricted to uh, one organization or professional society or do like what many others do, just focus on uh, certification. So we started to explore and we have developed technically four solutions, if we, if I can call it as that. Uh, that is, we label them as a SOCAD way for managing project. One of the solution is CAMP, which is a customizable and adaptable methodology for managing project. And another solution is deal more with an organizational project management solution. Mm -hmm. And the idea there with the name, for example, customizable and adaptable, is the idea is that we want I want to borrow the good practices from the industrial history that I have and to apply it across industry. Because a lot of industries today are adopting project management, they are not really adopting proper project management. I think the industrial and the capital project industry is more much, much more mature in the area of project management. I know maybe many IT people right now would say, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but that's I think that's the reality of it. So we built Camp to to try to transition and to have a methodological approach that allow us to take a project from idea all the way to success mm-hmm. or all the way to closure. So it's not focusing on a stage or a phase of a project. It's a holistic project lifecycle model that integrate with the asset management or product development, if you wish. And uh, that solution that what we have developed on paper and we have published books about it, uh, now as part of the transformation is to convert it into uh, software as a service, as you mentioned, using uh, that will be under the label of Rook, a project portfolio management platform. So as an online solution, that will is based on camp to manage project regardless of size industry or domain mm-hmm. and then of course we will add to it the platform that is including the dashboard the portfolio management and those other aspects that from the organizational management so basically an organization can have all their project 
house, including the management of the project, including mm-hmm. the organizational knowledge base, the historical data, all will be in that platform. Uh, so could you explain to us maybe at a high level a little bit what camp looks like? Um, yes, I think maybe before I do that, let me just explain one of the problems we see in project management today. We see a lot of people confusing the term project. For example, we see, especially coming from technology, they will be talking about managing the execution phase of a project, which they call development of a product, and they consider that the whole project. And when we have started to get into project management education, we've noticed a lot of people confuse the concept between phase management and project management, which means what are the processes that we need, such as what PMI and ISO offer in terms of processes to manage a stage of the project, versus managing the project holistically from idea to closure, going back to the concept stage, the feasibility that is required, defining the requirements, uh, and industrial, in the industrial world, that's what we call the front-end planning or front-end loading that IPA use that term. That whole sequence of work that is extremely critical to the project, it's missing from many from many of the project approaches that are used today because they see project as execution only. And we know, and I think IPA research, and Mr. Ed Murrow probably talk about that, is that many projects fail because we don't do the proper front end. That concept was missing from a lot of the practice, the state of practice of project management outside or even and among some of the industrial companies as well. So that's when we start to develop the camp methodology is to help people see that, look, project is not only execution. Projects start with the concept. And if you don't do the concept well, and you don't do the business case and the feasibility, and we separate the business case from feasibility study. If you don't do those well, then garbage in, garbage out. Everything, you know, everything you're going to work on the project, it's not going to end up, even if you complete the project, you might not be end up successful. You might call it success because you completed, but completion is not success. Completion, success, completion is you finish something. Success for us is did the project deliver on the objectives that was established for, or did the organization realize the benefits? And so the camp approach said, okay, I need to start thinking of project as part of an asset and how to manage the project from all the way from the idea, going through the stages one by one, all the way to the end, and even beyond closure. Because mm-hmm. projects are part of an organizational work. Is there not, we're not in the business of doing project because, because we like to do it. We do project because we want benefits. Although we do like to do them too. Well, we want to do them, of course, because we cannot, I mean, you know, we cannot do things. We cannot achieve incremental value in organization, regardless of what industry you are in unless you do a project. Project is the change, is how we drive innovation, how we drive change in organization. Mm-hmm. So they are must, they are needed, but we are not there to do project as a project owner because we want to do a project or we, uh, sorry, we don't maybe just there for the sake of management. We want to deliver the value of those projects. That was the first challenge that we wanted to address. The second challenge we want to address is that a project management, there are a lot of commonalities across industries but there is a lot of separation. There are a lot of segmentation. So managing a technology project is different than managing a capital project. So we want to build a methodology that we can use it across industries. Mm-hmm. And that's why we call it a customizable and adaptable methodology. So we, what that means is that any organization can take our work, the methodological approach that we have developed, 
using our books or publication or from our online videos or even uh, uh, blog. And then they can tailor it. They have to tailor it to fit purpose, fit for purpose, to fit their need. If they are managing small capital project, then we can follow a capital project model and we use that methodology for that. If we want to uh, manage a big capital project or a mega project, of course, we need to have a different version of the same methodology. So the methodology is, will give us a foundation that organization can use to develop tailored method. That's the key message I want to stress here because mm-hmm. uh, managing technology project is different than marketing project or a finance project or an HR project or, of course, a facility project. Sure. So we need to have the foundation, the common foundation that is across all this domain. We use that and then we build the aspect that would be more segmented, if you wish. Sure. So that's the two challenges we try to bring is the holistic approach plus the cross-industry. Nice. You referenced back to Ed Marrow and, and his approach to discussing things like FEL. Um, yes. I use FEL a lot as, as kind of my common term. Uh, one of the things that struck me about, uh, and you, you said this very eloquently yourself uh, in different words, but the way that he stated it was that the largest primary risk to the success of any project is how well the FEL was developed. Absolutely. So this is something that in my world, in my daily, you know, operations that, that I deal with, uh, that we stress a lot nowadays too, because that's the root of all the problems we have experienced have been because of poorly executed FELs. Absolutely. And yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I really think that your fit for purpose approach, he did touch on something uh, in that last podcast. He said that FEL is not a mechanical process that we have to leave room for creativity in FEL. Your fit for purpose methodology fits right nicely into that, that statement right there, that philosophy. Absolutely. I I can add to that a little bit. And I I put something, uh, you know, I included this discussion in my upcoming book uh, is that if you look at uh, when we talk about Ed Murrow or, you know, CII or any of these, we know the project lifecycle model and the the stage gate process and the industrial project has existed for many, many, many years. Yet some organizations are successful and some organizations are not so successful at least on some of the project, that if we are using, all of us, we're using the same basic framework in a way, obviously with variation, then why do we fail? So it's not the mechanics. The mechanics are there. We need to learn how to use the mechanics as well, but then here where it comes the innovation. And some people said, ah, project management, killer of innovation. Absolutely not. Especially when you go to capital project and mega project, it's a huge area for innovation and creativity of how well can you plan uh, I know Ed and, and many in project management talk about project management being art and science. I always like to add to it a bit as well as a, as a bit of psychology. There are a lot of psychology in driving project. And I think that's where we talk about leadership and the need for leadership when we are dealing with a bigger project. So yeah, mechanics, frameworks, templates, method, you know, we can all have the same basic framework in front of us, but not necessarily we all know how to use it. If you allow me just an example, maybe that illustrate the point a little bit further. Years ago, I was invited to work with a client and they're using MS project. So I told them, you know, okay, send me some sample of your MS project. So before I can come and meet you, I can help you, you know, maybe give you some advice. And almost everyone was using MS project more like a to-do list. So here you have a very good tool 
you use. And if you're going to use it as a, as, a, as a checklist or as a to-do list, then we don't even capture the benefit. So the tools are there for us. We just need to know to have the process and the expertise to, right. to run them. What do you think the biggest changes uh, in industrial project management? What, what are those changes that are happening now that we're going to be seeing in the next five to 10 years that are going to make things different for us? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I think one of the things we are seeing uh, from a project owner perspective, uh, I'm, I'm one of those advocates that project owners should, and I, I came from a project owner background, uh, and some of them have lost their competence or capacity to lead project properly. And I think that part of the IPA research and also from CII and others where organizations are not doing the front end properly. That mm-hmm. part of it because they have lost that and they have depending more on PMCs and contractors. Uh, so I'm a big advocate of having the owner to build their organizational competence and capacity to lead projects. Uh, and that's the core focus in, in my work. And uh, so what we are seeing right now, and I think I've been hearing more of a, the trend is happening, is where project owners are probably understanding the need to recapture that and to sure. take ownership of managing or leading their mega project and their capital project, but they don't have the capacity to do so. Sure. Before, they would outsource everything to a PMC. Mm-hmm. And the research have shown projects that are managed by PMC are not doing as well as projects are managed by the owner directly. So what we are seeing as a trend happening, starting to happen, at, at least that I'm aware of it right now, is where project owners are re- reassuming their responsibility to manage their own project, but because they don't have the capacity, they are using PMCs to support them. So now we are starting to see the drive toward the integrated team mm-hmm. where an owner and PMC or contractor personnel are working together to manage your project. Not, it's not limited anymore to the project owner just outsourcing the management <coughs> and only having a couple of guys on the owner side being a client trap. Now, th- I'm seeing the evidence of this now. Uh, I think the early situation where this would happen probably would be a good case studies to show if that's working or it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hear some of the result on that. Sure. Um, an example of this, actually, recently I found out that in, uh, in Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Jacobs, uh, obviously, as, as, as a global company, and they've done a lot of work in the engineering industrial project, they have partnered with Saudi Aramco, and they did start up a new company called Jasara, mm, which is, I think okay. stands for J- Jacob Saudi Aramco. And their objective there is to take the competence and capacity from both of these organizations to start helping many of the infrastructure project in Saudi. So it becomes like a PMC, but it's a joint venture between a traditional global power in terms of capital project execution with a project owner. Now, how is that? I think it's still uh, in the early stages of formation. Uh, I'm not sure if that model would succeed or not. I'm, again, I'm anxious to learn as time comes. But that definitely seems to be a, a trend that I'm seeing in terms of the management of projects. Yeah, that is pretty fascinating. And something we really haven't touched on on the show yet is the way that uh, owners and, and PMCs work together. I think that would be a really good topic for a future show even uh, I'm going to look more into this Jacob Saudi Aramco JV. That that sounds uh, 
Sounds like a very good case study. I'd like to see where that thing goes myself. I will keep you up to date if I hear something. Oh, please do. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting. This kind of this kind of leads to, I'm going to skip around here a little bit. Uh, it kind of leads to this talk about entrepreneurship. I mean, obviously, you've been an entrepreneur in this business for a long time. Yes. Uh, you've, you've been in the business, you've been in the industry for a very long time. From what I can tell, I've seen a lot of changes take place in how EPC companies function. Really, really not unlike what you just described, how they function with the owner organization, how the owner organization executes projects. But it seems to me like some of the old legacy organizations on the EPC side, they're changing their business models pretty rapidly because the old way of doing things is, is becoming less and less relevant. I assume one, because of technology uh, being probably the biggest reason. You just don't need, you know, 500 draftsmen like you used to. Now you can you can get a lot done with one or you know with fewer. Correct. What I'm also seeing is a lot of smaller companies that are popping up, a lot of independent consultants that are popping up. So as a as an entrepreneur yourself who's seen a lot in this industry, what kind of ways do you see the professional services sector changing? What do you think the future looks like? I think one of them is that we touch on indirectly, which is the concept of integrated team and collaboration. So in terms of professional services, uh, I think they need to be willing and able and understand the need that some project owner organization might need to recapture some of their capacities that they have lost. So if they are going to be very protective, and uh, basically working on said, look, if I'm going to work with the owner, I might lose some business down the road. That might hurt the domain. I think if they will be willing to be more collaborative, that might favor them because obviously project owner cannot build all the capacities they need, especially with the ups and downs. So professional services company in this case, I think they will need to be more flexible and to be willing to accept the different models. Uh, being more agile, being more dynamic, so responsive to change to the market. Uh, I've been out of the U.S. for a while, so I don't know how much of maybe some of the smaller businesses that might be offering specialty area. Like today, I think there are a lot of specialty area happening. Not everybody can have the capacity to deal with all the new advancement that's happening, uh, such as you know in the artificial intelligence area, automation, mm-hmm. robotics. Uh, so I think if organization can go into these areas and offer unique, if they want to excel, you, know, they, you cannot follow the crowd. I mean, that's, I think, one of the problems we've seen all over the world is that all of a sudden something is popular and everybody want to jump on the bandwagon. And as a result, you know, not everybody, you, you might be able to make some money quickly, but then if you don't have the, the core competence, you're going to be left out sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So organizations have to, to be innovative. Uh, any any entrepreneur, entrepreneur, they want to get into the business. They don't, they shouldn't just think I'm going to be another number in the crowd. They should be able to think and go beyond what's popular. They need to find out what's missing. Where are the needs? Where are the real pain points that organization might have, which is not easy to do, but it requires some real due diligence work. And then try to fill some of those needs. Now, of course, there could be some areas where, you know, you have, uh, you know, many, many companies in the same area and then it becomes competitive and bloody ocean. I think the key message here is maybe look for that blue ocean. Look for where people have not 
been before or maybe something that might exist but do it better. I think this is a key message I, I want to pass. Now, I don't know if specialization maybe is uh, is an area that's probably outside of my area of expertise. Sure, sure. I think I think you see it. You, you see the advice coming from both directions, both you've got to be broad, you've got to be a generalist, and then you also see the advice of you need a niche. You need to have some sort of specialization where you can uh, basically sidestep the rest of the competition. It's kind of weird how both of those statements are really true, right? Yes, Neither absolutely. one of those are wrong. So I, I, I guess it really comes down to uh, the person, the business, yes. and the, the, their, their network, the world that they live in inside of the industry. Yeah, they need, I mean, we, need, we all need to have, I think we go through cycles. Sometimes we find, mm-hmm. and, and, and not project management in, in general, we found there is a need for the generalist. They, you know, organization wants someone to know everything, you know, the jack of all trade. And then we see some situation where, no, we need specialization. We need both. We cannot. I mean, obviously, we need both. But if you want to start as, as an entrepreneur, you want to start a new company, the key is that sometimes we have to be careful not to overstep our boundaries or go spread our, our work too far where we don't, uh, you, you might not be able to excel. I, I'll give you an example, maybe personal example. When I started Sukad years ago, um, I had a lot of opportunities to grow the business in many areas, and I've refused many of them because I wanted to focus on where my core competence is. And if I want to go into another area that might be related, like even general strategic planning or leadership, unless I have a partner that equally pas- passionate about that area, I decided not to go into it because it's not something that is core competence for me. So I do not want to offer client just another service because I can and make good money out of it. Uh, I, want to, I want to be the best I could be. And I think as a result of that in the years ago in the, in where I was working in the region, uh, that worked for us because most of our business was referral and repeat business because we try to be as authentic as we can and go beyond the, the norm or beyond what's popular. Uh, again, uh, that's one a model, but you're absolutely right. The other model is no, I want to be a generalist and offer, you know, some, like for example, in the training business, we find some organization offering 200 courses by collecting freelancers from all over the world and there is no cohesion in there. And of course, that's a business model. To me, that's more of a business model where you make profit. My model is probably don't make as much profit, uh, but it's basically, it's, uh, you make a name for yourself. Uh, as an organization, as an individual as well. And I think that's what worked for us. Yes, we are not a big and huge and profitable, a huge profit companies, but we're happy. We want to make a difference to the profession or the occupation or the emerging profession of project management and the communities. So entrepreneurs have to make that decision when they want to start something. Do they want to be a niche player? They want to be the best they could be in what area they offer? Or they want to be a generalist and offer multiple services. In that case, they need to be focused on business and competitiveness. They have to be competitive price-wise. If you are a niche player, you're competing probably in your own field that maybe price is not as much as, as a pressure. If you can prove to your client that you're worth it. What do you think the biggest challenges are in industrial projects right now? In terms of project management, I think we, we touched on a lot of that already, is that the need for organization 
to really build their competence. I, I have to refer back to the IPA research here because they've shown proving that is projects that are managed by uh, outside contractor or PMC, they're about 40% on average overrun. Uh, I think that's some of the number in the industrial mega project book. I don't know if there is any updated data, but uh, obviously, the, you know, I think Mr. Mero and his book on industrial mega project made a strong case for organization to build their project management capacity and competence. And that's in a way I, I borrowed some of um, uh, his work for my book. And this is a major focus of my work as well, is to push for organization and project owner. Now, maybe it is, uh, this is actually one of the areas that geographically is impacted because, uh, for example, in the region where I work in the Middle East, is almost 100% of the project are done through PMCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why I'm, I'm anxious to see what would happen with this Jasara, with the Jacob Aramco venture, because this is one of the first major initiative we're seeing where the partners of partnership between owner and MPMCs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's an area. If organizations need to capture or minimize their cost and improve their performance, they have to consider uh, alternative way of thinking. That's maybe what I think is the biggest challenge. Tell us more about your books. Two books that are being published by a um, global publisher. One of them is published already in 2017, which is about CAMP, the CAMP methodology we discuss. Mm-hmm. So that was more of a book that discussed the methodology uh, generically. So it's more of what is the methodology, the concept, how does it fit, the challenges that led to creation of the methodology. I think that the books that I it's yet to, to judge is the one that I just finished. And it's currently under the editing process, also by CRC Press, which is on leading mega project. What I have done in that book, I've taken my camp methodology. I said, okay, now I want to make it customize or tailor it toward the capital project industry and then tailor it even further to the mega project. And this is why the book's called Leading Mega Project, a tailored approach. So I'm focusing on two areas. One of them, I know we keep going back to your last podcast with Ed, with Ed is that the leadership. This is one, one reason the book title is Leading Mega Project, because I, we, before even hearing that interview, of course, I had made the decision that for mega project, we need management and we need leadership. But at the top level, we need the strong leadership to be on top. And for me, the leadership in this case is not one person, it's four people. Because I look at mega project and capital industry from an owner perspective, you need the project executive or what some people call the sponsor, we need a business director, the guy who is going to be responsible for all the business aspect. You need the project director who is responsible for the facility. And we need the operational director who would be focusing on getting ready for operation. So to me, mm-hmm. these four core positions are top positions that have to be great leaders if we want success on mega project. Mm-hmm. Now, with those, we will have many other directors and managers and management. And we need, of course, we need the leadership and management skill across the board. So that's one of the area that is I focus in my coming book. The second area, if I look at what IPA have done, what CII have done, and what obviously what I've seen with companies like Exxon and others, which is the stage gate project lifecycle model, is that what we see missing there is, again, the focus on the front end that we discussed earlier. So I wanted to put that there. I wanted to put the emphasis on the tailored approach, uh, whereas we, even within the mega project, we might need some tailoring 
mm-hmm. based on the industry or the company, actually. Uh, preferences in terms of the stage gates, how well do they want to have the stage gate, who sit at those gates, what kind of the governance and leadership models they want to have. So I want to emphasize and offer a tailored approach with the stage gate model, with the gate, uh, that is part of that book. So in that book, I'm focusing on leadership. I'm focusing on the tailored approach. Mm-hmm. And of course, the ultimate focus is project owner. And that go back to what you were saying earlier, I want project owner to take more ownership of leading their project. And I use the term quite often throughout the books called concept to success. So it's not just execution. Execution, and actually interesting, a lot of the studies and research I've done for the book from IPA and others, Mm -hmm. that most of the growth of the cost of the project happen in the front end, not in execution. There was a good Australian study done on infrastructure project, and they found out about 16% of the growth of project is happening on the front end. Hmm. So from the time, you know, between maybe the front end, uh, if, we got, if we talk about front end loading, FEL, one, two, three, uh, they're basically between one and two or two and three. Uh, not, and only 9% happened during execution. So obviously, and probably out of those 9% that happened in execution, a lot of that impact is the root cause is in the front end. So that's, these that. are the messages I'm trying to emphasize in, in my work and uh, especially in my latest book. I think that that, uh, that that really does touch on real world issues right there. I'm I'm, I'm be excited to uh, read it when it comes out. Yeah, it should be, I don't know, probably before the end of the year, it should be out. Okay, good deal. Yeah. And uh, where where can uh, where can the listeners find that when it does come out? Um, it is published by CRC Press, which is a company by Taylor and Francis. But it will be definitely on Amazon and all the available. Yeah, and of course on your on your website too. Yeah, do we will be a, publishing. Do you have an email list or anything like that that people can subscribe to so they can see updates on it? But yes, right now people can go on the website and register. Uh, or they can send us direct messages through LinkedIn or anything like this, and we can definitely include them on the mailing list. Well, listen, it was really great having you on, Manir. Um, all the stuff that uh, we talked about was great. The camp uh, methodology that you guys are producing, as well as the software service, really excited to see that stuff come together. Um, and your book, Leading Mega Projects, A Tailored Approach. So when that comes out, I'm really excited to see that. I'm going to want to read that definitely, and I'll share it with the community. Is there any uh, final words you want to leave to the audience? What I would love to see is for executives uh, to see and to understand and to accept the value of project management. And maybe this message is more for organization outside the industrial arena that for these executives to recognize that project management is indeed an independent and a formal function. So I hope one day I will see it recognized by this executive as an equal function to HR, finance, or IT, if not even more important. And what do I mean by seeing it that way is not, I'm not talking about, you know, the, uh, the talk part. It's more a formalized project management division, department, mm-hmm. in these organizations to own project management and to promote project management across the organization, regardless what type of project, because regardless of what industry you are in, Project management is critical for success. Couldn't agree more. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and for the invitation. I'm really grateful and uh, 
wish your podcast more and more success. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and definitely grateful that you came on. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do so, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you, Munir. Okay, that was our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found value in it. Hope you can take that out into your career, into your business, and uh, and use it for what it's worth. If you like the show, please go to iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Give us a like. Uh, give us a review. Give us a rating. Share it with your community. Thank you so much for listening. This is Rob Williams. And I'm closing out. Bye now.